All right, we're going to get going uh, back into Romans. We're half a chapter 9 today. So we're Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 18. We're continuing our discussion. Uh, Brent was here two weeks ago uh, and did chapter 8. And you remember chapter 8, the, all the talk of what, what can separate us from God? Can we be separated from God? You know, not this, not that, not, not nor the other. Um, and, and a great encouraging thing. And Paul is going to go maybe a step further this week in, in chapter 9. Um, because it's great to have ideology. Oh, God's always on our side. He'll never leave us. We always have Him. What an encouragement. I can have confidence in that, right? And then what happens? Something bad. You get punched in the gut. You know, somebody stands you up. A bill comes in the mail. And all of a sudden, wait. Now what? See, when, when you start to feel it, or you're in the presence of direct pressure or fear or whatever that's negative, then we start to question. Wait a minute, God. I read chapter 8. Right? Paul's going to talk about that today in chapter 9. We're going to do the first half because I thought there was too much to do in one week, so we'll, we'll catch the, um, the back half of it in two weeks. All right? Which, what did I just do there? I skipped a week. Yes, I'm excited. Next week, uh, 360 Serve, Mark Tyler will be here giving us a full update on, apparently you guys signed up for more pastors to support in the country that we support. And then some of you, you're so rock Bible. We're supposed to be uh, supporting one country and you're like, eh, I'm going to go support this other country too. So apparently a bunch of us have gone off and started supporting pastors in other countries just by signing up through 360 Serve. And we didn't even know as a church. And Mark said, oh, you, you got to hear all this stuff. And we have an amazing opportunity coming up. He's going to talk about it. Um, next week so that's next week well let's get started with this week let's pray and we'll get in lord thanks for this morning uh thanks for being here there's many places we can be and and lately i've been a few places i thank you for the reminder of what is it like to be here with your family with your church with you the rhythm of that importance of it the grounding may that be our time this morning for more than just me so father i pray you bless our reading of your word and what we're about to hear as paul wrote and help us in the questions we have sometimes even in questioning you questioning our environment so lord bless this time bless your word and we pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen? Hey, man. So remember Paul's saying, hey, uh, you know, nothing could separate us, not this, not that, nor the other. Right? And then he's going to say, and, and there's one other thing that he didn't really cover in that. Right? Watch, watch what he does here. He says, I'm speaking the truth in Christ. Paul says it's true. Nothing can separate us. Remember, they, when he wrote the letter, there were no chapter breaks. Right? So we're just continuing the thought. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness. 
in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. He's talking about the Israelites. How do we know? The next verse, four. They are Israelites. <laughs> there you go. All right. um, and they belong to the adoption. He's about to explain all the things that God did through the Israelites. You see, one of the things that is left out in the list of chapter 8, uh, neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come, all, all those things, what, a, what about genealogy? I hear race is a little bit of a, a, a topic these days. And Paul's about to address this thing of, well, what if, what if you're not from Israel? What, what goes on then? Right? And he's making this weird argument. We're not going to get into this idea. Well, if he wasn't Israelite, then he'd be cut off from his brothers, but he could do it for the glory of Christ or something like that. But watch what he says. He says, look, we're, we're, however we look at the Israelites, remember this. To them belong the adoption. God adopted them first. The glory that he revealed to them. The covenants of the times where he came and said, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, uh, David, uh, any of the other ones. Um, this is how it's going to be. The giving of the law. Moses, write this down because you guys need some instructions. All of these things came through the Israelites. The worship. Hey, when we approach God, we're going to get excited about it, even in how we approach walking up the hill to the place of worship. What we sing on the way. How we dress. How we act. Because worship is important. Where did we learn that as humans? It was played out through the Israelites, and the promises. For God says, this is how it will be, and this is who I am, and this is what I will do for you. These are great. To them belong the patriarchs, all these people we read about that made a lot of mistakes, by the way. And did they do okay still? Absolutely. And from there, what's that last word? Second line? Please tell me you're not that afraid. Come on, say this word with me, right? <clears throat> to them belong the patriarchs, and from their, from their race, according to the flesh, did he just eliminate a bunch of stuff? This is just according to the flesh. We're, we're going to eliminate all the other things it could be about because it's not about that. But just according to the flesh is the Christ, who is God over all, blessed forever, Amen. What just happened there, Scott? Paul is acknowledging that Israel, they got to be first on some stuff. You're, you're waiting in line. What's the best place in line? Next. Right? When you're next. You're first in line because that means you're next. There's no more waiting. Right? Insert any experience at an organization dedicated to cars that have engines in them. And you have to go to that place. I don't want to say it or the acronym. But when you have to wait, ah, that's no good. But someone has to go first. And Paul wants to make the distinction. Israel got to go first in a lot of things. Does that make them better? He's going to say no. 
dramatically in just a second. But it's okay for us to acknowledge that God decided, I want you to know me. I'm going to show up. And if He's going to show up and be known, He has to talk to us. And where does He start that? With someone. How about Abram? Let's, let's just start there. God said, okay, here's where we're going to start. What's the significance of that? It's not The significance has nothing to do with Abram. This one's going to hurt a little bit. God's significance in your life has nothing to do with you. God decided to do something. He did it. He involved you. He blessed you, made you promises, all these different things. But God shows up on the scene and says, I'm going to start with these people and these guys and this lady, and we're going to do what we do. And over time, people are going to start to see. That's wonderful. And he says, eventually, Christ comes on the scene. Now, how do we do that? He decided to use a lady. When you, when you do that, you're kind of stuck with who is that lady? Where is she from? Who were her parents? Those kind of things. And again, is the significance the lady? It's not. The significance is that God shows up on the scene and decides to do things and how will we take it? How will we approach it? When God gets excited about things, will you stay excited about God? Or are you going to run off on tangents? Oh, well, we didn't get to be first, therefore he's racist. Careful. It's not fair. Right? You just say that phrase. Do you say that phrase? It's not fair. I've, I've tried to eliminate that phrase from my vocabulary pretty much my whole life um, because my dad used to joke with me when I would say, it's not fair. He would say, what, what did you say? I don't understand. What is that word? What are you talking about? I never heard that word. That's, there's no meaning there. Like he would joke with me that there's no such thing as fair. Right? We get so stuck in our injustice, our idea of injustice, our perception, what we think is a failure, what we think should be first, and my preferences, and all that kind of stuff. That we need somebody like Paul regularly in our life to say, slow down there, Ace. How about just this was the order of events without putting too much on it? And then when you do that, you can go back and look at, well, what was the importance? Different than what I was measuring, what was the importance? And I would say if we went back and went through the list of things that I just talked about from these verses, the patriarchy, all that kind of stuff, the importance of that is that God made many, many efforts ultimately sending Christ. What's that tell us about Him? What's important to Him? What's He want? I see last chapter 8, we're talking, well, can I get separated from God? Nothing shall separate us. Who's the subject of that sentence? That thinking? Who's the subject? Me! Will I get separated? Nothing can separate me. 
Us. You. Paul says, hold on a second. Great thought. But remember, the focus should be God. We can't be separated. You can worry about race. You can worry about all this stuff. Or how about you start thinking about why has he decided that? What's his agenda? Or this phrase we like to use in Christendom all the time. His starts with W, rhymes with pill. His will. What is the Lord's will? I sure hope it's the same as mine. That's what we do. I would love that uh, God spoke to me first and my family and did all the promises with us and we got to, you know, that was, boy, you'd be really important then. Is that what happened? Say no. Get over it, Berglund. Get moving. What did happen? What is going on? Right? That was a silly, meant to be sarcastic example. Okay? I don't really want to be first in any of that stuff. Right? I let them have the learning curve and I'll come in behind and learn from their lessons after they write the book on it. Right? I like having a textbook or directions. This is what we have. <clears throat> so this is according to the flesh, this is the Christ who is God over all. Amen? Blessed forever. Verse 6, but it is not as though the Word of God has failed. Has God failed? I mean, because He's got favorites. It could, you could look at this and think, oh, he has favor, so God's failed, right? I thought we were all equal in God's eyes. He loves us all. Yeah. It's a fair question, though. Something seems unequal. It's that Old Testament thing, right? One of these things is not like the others. We can acknowledge that without saying God made a mistake. The moment that you ask that question, but it is not though God, the Word of God has failed. What are we dangerously approaching? That God makes mistakes. When you allow yourself to think that, you open yourself up to too many options that don't work and, and have no end game. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Um, hello, McFly? What? what? If you're from Israel, then you're from Israel. And he's saying, no, if you're from Israel, it doesn't mean you're from Israel. I, mean, I took basic math classes where they have an equal sign in the middle, and this on this, and this on this, and if there's an equal sign in the middle, they're the same. Right? Six of one and half a dozen of the other, right? We've got phrases about this. What's he getting at? Not all, verse 7, not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring. The, the, one of the glories of Israel, uh, Judaism, is they believe they were all sons of Abraham. <laughs> Paul's going to have a little fun with them. He has a great sense of humor, he's a little bit snarky, and sometimes he can be mean. Watch this. Just because your, your family tracks itself back to Abraham like offspring doesn't mean you are. And here comes a quote from Old Testament. Through Abraham... Oh, it doesn't say Abraham right there. Through Isaac. 
shall your offspring be named. Not sons of Abraham, your sons of Isaac. Right? So I got a little problem there with where, where God says this. It's through Isaac, not Abraham. But who was the first covenant with? Abraham. So now that's confusing. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. I want you to see there's two things going on here. I love it when the Bible has two things going on because then I can say, which one is it, A or B? And then you have to say, both things are going on. So I love it when two things are going on here. First, it's not just about Abraham. Your offspring will come through Isaac. That's one. But he also says, it's not through your offspring that we count stuff. That little phrase, through Isaac, your offspring shall be named. What was on the end of e the very end, on each end of that sentence? There's, they're called little marks for those of us who are uneducated. Some people call them quotation marks, which means we're quoting someone. Who are we quoting? We're at church. And I asked a question, and Mark Heitzman's not here. We're quoting God, right? Paul is quoting God here. He says, it's not about whether you came from Abraham, because it says through Isaac. But also when he does that, he's quoting God. So where do the offerings come from, uh, offspring come from? They come from the promise of God. If you're going to have offspring, I'm going to do it. I'll choose to do it through Isaac, not Abraham. Don't get confused. Who's really in charge? Who gets credit? Who makes the rules? There's two things going on here. Yeah, it's Isaac, but it's really God because God's the one that makes promises. He's the only one that can keep them. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, watch this. This is a little tangent. No one can keep a secret but God. No one can keep a promise but God. All the good stuff, only God can do. Now, He might use you, like Isaac, but who ultimately gets the credit when you keep a promise and show up when you said you'd show up and bring some money to pay for what you said you'd pay for and then help them pack it up and take it home? Who gets credit for that? Yes, God. Because you wouldn't even have another breath if it weren't for Him. And if He didn't plan it, because He's sovereign, whoops! Ultimately, what we're kind of doing, chapter 8 and the beginning of chapter 9 here, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Why? Because God says. It's like in my house as a kid, growing up with my dad, right? It's not fair. That doesn't exist. You can't say that anymore. There's no such thing, right? And then there were other times where my dad would say, hey, Scotty, come here. You need to go do this. And I'd say, why? Because I'm the dad. That was like a phrase at our house, because I'm the dad. Guess what my kids grew up hearing all the time? Because I'm the dad, right? Hey, well, this is why we're doing it. I'm in charge, period. 
Nothing can separate you from the love that is Christ Jesus because he has gone above and beyond in so many different ways. He started with the Israelites. He worked it through Isaac and all these different things. King David, ultimately to Jesus Christ. Why? Because he wants you. Does Jesus love you? This I know. For the Bible tells you so. We got that whole Jesus loves us thing. I wonder if sometimes we say it so much it starts to lose its meaning through repetition. What's it feel like when I say, God wants you? A little different. That's what I think Paul's starting to help us get at. Watch this. It was from children of the promise, by the way. It's God's promise, and we just covered that. Verse 9. For this is what the promise said. About this time next year, I will return and Sarah shall have a son. And not only so, but also when Rebekah had conceived children by one man, Isaac, forefather, though they were not yet born and had done nothing. We're talking about the kids that Rebekah and Isaac had. And done nothing either good or bad in order that God's purpose of election might continue. Not because of the works, but because of Him should be capitalized right there so that we remember who we're talking about. In Him who calls. She was told this, the older will serve the younger. Now, are we following lineage and offspring now? for fun, for the rest of your life, I want you to, as you read your Bible, pay attention to how many times God uses number two. Not number one. We're supposed to use number one. And God says, eh, I like number one. I want number one. But I'm going to use number two. What? Or sometimes He uses number seven. Or number twelve. Or six. Or four. Whatever. Right? Why are they called Jews? Because God chose number four. Right? That's a different story. It's back in Genesis. You'll understand it when you read it. He didn't didn't pick number one. It wasn't picking Simeon and Levi. They got in trouble because they were violent. So we're going with Judah. God likes to do different things out of order as we perceive order in order to show us what? Order as He perceives order. We're going to get into that a little bit more. As it is written, verse 13, Jacob I love, but Esau I hated. Not literally hated, but I chose Jacob and I did not choose Esau. Remember, Hebrew language has range of meaning, so hate there means different than what we would say on the street here. Uh, verse 14, well, what do we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Is there injustice on God's part? That, you know, let's, let's just throw all this stuff out. Let's just talk about that question. Do you think there's injustice on God's part? Just you and me, Scott and you talking here. Do you think there's injustice? Dang it. 
Now, that was pretty simple and a little fun. Let's get a little more complex. We're going to cut off the by no means. And we're going to cut off the on God's part. And I'm going to ask you the same question that I just asked you. And you went on with it because you continued with the on God's part and you jumped to the by no means. I want to ask you the simple question, nothing more. Is there injustice? I love it. When you, when you stump the band, isn't it fun when you stump the band? There are, there are many, many times, many, many scenarios. People call me to ask me to sit with them and talk about things that they feel are an injustice or a failure or they're afraid of or it's uncomfortable, it's painful, it's negative, it's wrong, it's evil. Do those things exist? Two of you. Okay. Do bad things happen? In this life, will you have trouble? That's a verse. Okay, now, now we're tracking with me, right? There's stuff where we're going to have trouble. But is it an injustice? Is it a failure? It gets very confusing and very complicated. In life, in reality, as humans. Let's put our uh, end of the sentence back on, though. What changes when we say, on God's part, is there injustice? On God's part. So far as it depends on God, is there injustice? We want to say no. Do we always know how that works out? We pretty much never know how that fully makes sense. But Paul says this is the understanding, the ideology we have to function from. But we're finite beings. We're limited. We've got we've all got holes, right? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. That's one of his strongest statements. He said it before with us in this book. For he says to Moses, "I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion." What's he saying there? Well, he likes he likes to do mercy sometimes. And he likes to do compassion. Okay, I'll give you the, those first two. Give me a third thing that he's saying. It's kind of like, because I'm the dad. What's happening here? What? It's his will. It's his choice. God is saying, I am in charge. Period. I decide. That sounds a little harsh, Scott. Did you have to use that tone? Why did I use the tone? Is there any question in this? Is there any negotiation in this? Is absolute? You can understand why deep thinking theologians come up with the doctrine of sovereignty, where God is in control of all things at all times without exception. Because when he shows up on the scene and says to Moses, hey, look, when I show mercy, it's because I want to. And if I'm compassionate, it's because I decided. Not you. Not Pharaoh. 
and never anyone else. That's absolute control. So can anything separate you from the love that is Christ Jesus? Can your race separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus? Absolutely not. And we've just proved it. Very convoluted and complex, but Paul's made it really clear. You will never be separated from God's love because God decided. Now, can you still get in trouble? Yes, and some of us are really good at it, right? So then, it depends not on human will or exertion. doesn't matter how dedicated you are or how strong you are, how talented you are, but on God who has, what's that word? Mercy. Because if you have an all-power, all-inclusive God, you want Him to be merciful too. For the Scripture says, verse 17, to Pharaoh, for this purpose I have raised you up, that I might show your power or my power? Which, whose power is he talking about there? God's power. In you. That my name might be proclaimed once in a while. A little bit. Just on Sundays. Or only when Scott says. No. He says, I, I raised you up. I put you exactly where you are. Is that a weird idea? That God put you exactly where you are. How many hairs are on your head right now? God, God did it way down to that level of detail. And I want to say it's not fair. <laughs> right? He, and why? Why do that? Why are you with the one you're with? Or why are you not with anyone or how come you had some kids and not more? Or how come you didn't have fewer kids? Why do you work? Why, why are you still breathing? Why anything? Because God put you there. In order, watch this, that He might show His power. Where? Last two words. Third line from the bottom on the right. Where's he going to show his power? Two words. Third line from the bottom. The earth. Simply. In you. Folks, I say this regularly and, and it gets me very excited to say it again. In the Bible, some of the most powerful things are the smallest of words. We have this interaction with this almighty, all-knowing, ever-present God who has made multiple attempts in numerous scenarios over thousands of years to get our attention. He's merciful, loving, and He says He wants to do it with you. And that's exactly why He put you where He put you. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good today. Are, are you... You feeling good about who you are and how you're made and what you're up to lately? Because apparently, he wants to show his power in you. What? That, which means in order, 
or so that, sometimes we would say, or because he wants his name to be proclaimed. Who does he want to get credit? Himself. You ever heard this um, phrase in it? I thought it was just like this filler phrase that you throw into prayers or you throw into songs because that's what we do as Christians. Like we, we say phrases all the time. You know? Oh, to the glory of God. Right? Oh, I'm so glad that happened. To the glory of God. Hey, let's sing a song. To the glory of God. You know, the glory of God. What's the, what's the glory of God? That's God drawing attention to Himself. Which is really ironic. Because if you think about it, it's very selfish on His part. And, and then it feels weird. Like, Scott, you just called it selfish. Now I feel awkward. Yes, except He's different than you. It's appropriate for Him to draw attention to Himself. Because he is the solution and the answer and the question. He is all things, absolute power, right? Merciful, loving, and he wants to do it in you. So um, what you're chasing over there, it's, that's not going to work. Look over here. Look over here. Right? You know what I was about to do. I'm not going to do it. He'd say, don't spend time over there anymore. Look at me. Glory of God. Plug in. I'll, I'll, I'll juice you up with some power. Because I want the rest of them to know, look at me. I'm God. I'm all powerful. We can do some stuff. And I want to do it, what was the last two words of the small ones at the third line from the bottom on the right? In you. Stop, shows up in another place in Scripture. Christ in you, the glory of the Father. Wow. So that we can proclaim Him once in a while in all. <laughs> Look at that. Two small words. Second line from the bottom. Some of the greatest meaning coming out of the smallest words. In all. He's to be proclaimed in all. In you, in all. That's probably what we should have um, named the sermon. In you, in all. That's it. Man, and there's one more verse. Here we go. So then, after getting 17 verses of logic and progression and going through race and His will and injustice, we're going to get an answer here. So then... He has mercy on whoever he what? And he hardens whoever he wills. <laughs> Back to I mercy on who I have mercy, I compassion on who I have compassion. So then, that's it. Does that feel good? May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. What were you just told? What were you just um, convinced of? Maybe what were you confirmed with? Let's do an interactive portion of the morning. 
before we get into the fill-ins, I know this is scary, but what just happened to us? What did Paul just do to us? He gave us a plan. He proved chapter 8. And he reminded us who's in charge. Right? Because he's the dad. I've been thinking about that all week. Right? It's also highly hilarious to compare God to my dad. (laughs) But that's the only personal thing. Let's jump in with a couple of things. And I want to reiterate this. Uh, Anytime we study a passage... I tend to come up with a couple ideas and make a fill-in. Sometimes they're alliterated or they all start with the same letter or they spell something out or the underlined ones by themselves make out a thought. I want you to understand these are just a few. Anytime we do that, they're just a few of what could have been brought out of the passage. There's always more there. Amen? Yeah. Um, Here's the sad news. You are limited by my limitations when I limitedly share this stuff with you right but i encourage you in that you might could as we would say in the south because i'm from little rock arkansas you might could find some of your own stuff in it amen let's 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 just progress with three of my humble offerings um it talked about failure and injustice right and i I want us to deal with that a little bit because i was in comparing chapter 8 in this all this great ideology of God's perfect love and all acceptance and total protection and nothing can separate us, there's also that everyday feeling of things go wrong. Something happens, and I hope that never happens again. We, we have failure experiences. We have experiences that we label as injustice. Right, And I I think the passage is trying to show us this, that failure and injustice stem from doubt. I asked you, is there injustice? Is there failure? On God's part, and you're like, no, by no means. That's what Paul says right next to him. But it does exist if, albeit illogically, when we make it up in our head, when we label something a failure, when we tell, say something's wrong, or say that's not fair, how come I didn't get to, how come they did get to, whatever. We're generating that out of our own heart, head and heart. And that combination is doubting something. What was the topic of the whole passage? Right? What was the topic of the whole passage? In fact, it ends with it. I'll have mercy on who on who he wills, right? When we start to doubt that, when we start to doubt chapter 9, chapter 8 will never make sense. It stems from doubting his will. I want that to be thought of and spun on a little bit beyond just our 75, 80 minutes together today. When you go out and 
when you're feeling failure, wrong, whatever, I want you to think, wait, what am, am, am I doubting something in this? Is God still here? Is He at large? Is He in me and in all? Is he, is, can He be proclaimed in this? Has He raised me up for this scenario so that we could kick some tail and take some names and people go, dang, did pretty well with the fourth best option, <laughs> right? Because most people look at you and they refer to you as fourth best option. No? Oh, that's just me. Okay. All right. I, I love that you have three better options, but if you got me, you're stuck with a fourth best option. And when fourth best option does something or has an experience that turns out semi good for some people and made minimal blessing or some benefit, people go, well, couldn't have been come from him because he's a knucklehead. There must be a God who worked that out. Right? Um, and you should, by the way, never say that with a southern accent. It's demeaning. Failure and justice stem from doubt of His will, His power, and His mercy. We must assume there's a plan going on. And eventually, it's going to happen. It might have already happened. And you've just failed to see it. And then the failure is not the scenario the failure is your vision or the failure is your doubt. How do you do this? How do you, how do you functionally do this? Fix this. Look at just the underlined words. Stem from His will. Base yourself in His will. As I go, as I think, as I pray, as I talk to people, as I do what I do, How's the Lord in this? How will He be proclaimed? What will be said about Him based on what I'm about to do? If you could stem from His will, you got a shot. There's at least five verses where I think this comes from and you put them all together, but references to His power, His will, His mercy, and, and then the idea that, yeah, there's failure and justice, but it's mostly our perception. Right? Number two, if, if His will is the thing that we got to make sure we believe in, have faith in, then um, your condition, where He's placed you, where He's raised you up, your condition is a function leading to His... Pro-claim proclamation. Your condition is a function leading to His proclamation. Verse 17 says, look, I did this to you on purpose. You're like, what? You did what to me? I'm going through this because of you? Yeah, it's going to be awesome because they're going to talk about me. Scott, I don't think God talks that way. I don't either, but it sure is fun to put it in different words so you can understand it. To believe that He might be doing something that changes your condition, affects your condition. I had one of them yesterday that I will not tell you about to save the identity of the guilty. It was not me as of yet. That might get revealed later. We'll see. But sometimes... 
stuff happens. There's a bumper sticker. I've seen it. And stuff happens because he wills it. And when I have faith that he, in, in his will, that there is a will, that it's powerful and merciful and it's in me, then I can work towards, could God do something in me like he did in Pharaoh? Pharaoh, man, he, he bucked the system the whole time. He fought it every single which way. And we got an amazing story out of it. And there's some times that you have to just go, uh, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm going to try to laugh about it and move forward. And I know I'm not as good as I thought I was, but I'm not as bad off as I thought I was. We do dump runs from time to time here at the church. Usually it's Brent and I. Sometimes it's just me. Try not to make Brent deal with all the garbage. Just some. On this particular day, I'm by myself. I have the trailer. It's packed. I'm, I'm backed into this section. There's a bunch of green waste type stuff, so they put me outside and bound back behind the building. And I'm, I've got everything open. I've got some gloves on and some shoes and I'm, I'm ready to go. And I'm grabbing things and trying to pull these branches out of the trailer. When you open the trailer, the thing comes down and then it slants down. That's called a slant. That's going to be important in the story. When you stand, when you stand on the slant, and you pull stuff that's stuck from a flat surface really, really hard and it doesn't come out, what do you do next? The guys usually get this answer. The girls have it wrong. They say, well, you think about it and you move stuff that's out in the way and then you progressively work your way toward it. That's the wrong answer. When you're a dude, what do you do? Pull harder. See, all the guys got it right, right? God protect us from that gender, right? So I'm, I'm standing here, I'm pulling on this thing and it, it's not coming. I'm, I'm pulling harder and harder and then I'm like down low, leaning. I got my feet going that direction and I'm just, and guess what happened? It came loose. I am capable. I beat the branch. I was feeling very good about myself as I went through the air. Feet slipped hit the ground, banged my ankle, smacked my head on the roof because there's a roof above that apparently where the doorway's lower than the rest of the thing. Was not calculating for that when you're like this and you're pulling and it gives, you come up and bang and ding and all the way to the bottom and you land in the bushes. Like five different parts of my body are hurt. I banged the, like the, you know the ball on the outside of your ankle? I banged it so hard I couldn't feel my foot. And I thought, this is bad. There's no way for me to assess this scenario for lack of feeling. I'm laying there, looking up at the sky, all messy, 
and I'm having trouble moving because everything hurts. And I look over, and there's the guy in the tractor. You know, they got the massive tractors that push stuff. Once you dump it, they pile it up, take care of it. The guy's just sitting there looking at me. And I looked at him, and I said, to the glory of God. No, I didn't. <laughs> I wish I would have. It would have been really funny. But it was kind of a moment for me. Like, Scott, what are you doing? You're trying to do stuff on your own. You should have had help. Then you try to muscle it. Are you thinking, do you need to be that guy? How grateful are you right now that you're still breathing? Because this could have ended even worse. And just trying to collect myself. I'm trying to get back into the truck. And Julie calls. Like, what? One more thing I got to do right now. I can't even. I didn't take the call. A bad husband. Got myself collected into the car. Then I call her back. Hey, hon. Just ate some humble pie. Right? Are you okay? Blah, blah. Yeah, I'm just remembering that I'm finite and human. You know, how we approach things, how we look at our condition, how we look at a bad scenario. It really speaks to your belief in Him. What's His will? Where is He going with it? And how are you projecting it? How do you carry yourself when it gets bad? Because Paul will tell you in another book, in another time and place, he'll say, yeah, this stuff you call failure and injustice, it's just light and momentary affliction. I absolutely love that phrase. Because when you're hobbling down the freeway and you can't feel your ankle, but you're trying to drive a massive truck with the trailer and your head hurts and the whole thing, it really helps to think of it. Ah, this is just light and momentary affliction. And next time I'm going to bring Brent so that he can be afflicted as well. Right? Number three, last one, God calls you to purpose and promise in spite of your perceived injustice. <laughs> purpose and promise. Um, has God called you? Do you have a calling? Oh, I, I, I thought that was like the stuff that you and Brent do because you're pastors and, and Megan, she has a calling to student ministry and, and the people that get on stage and sing, they have a calling, but that, that's for like um, religious leader types. <clears throat> Wrong answer. God has a calling on all of us. That means there's a purpose of what He wants to do. Let's change that phrase from what He wants to do to what He's going to do. He has a purpose behind what He is going to do with or without you. Right? You too wrote a song about it. With or without you. Right? I can't live with or without you. Now the meaning's wrong. But what purpose has He got for you? How are you pursuing 
His will. What He calls you to. You know, every one of us in this room is different. He's got different things for us to do. What's God have for you to do? Why? Why, Why does He do that? And then what promises are in that for you? What's the promise? You know, there's general promises, universal promises to all of us. Common grace that everybody gets. Then there's specific promises that are unique to you. Do you believe that? Do you believe, is God in business with you? Remember that in you part from earlier? Is that going on with you? In you happening? If it is, because it is. There's some promises that are in the fine print of that contract. And they're good promises. You know, our, our, our contracts with God are different than our business contracts on earth. And a business contract on earth in the fine print is all your liabilities. All the ways that you can mess it up and get in trouble, pay more money, or get disqualified. You the fine print in God's contracts with us? Promises. Well, how do, how do I know what those are? Over time. Practice. Read some more. And get around people that do. And then start enjoying yourself. Because nothing can separate you from the love that is in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because He said so. No, go do something with it. Amen? Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for um, this clarification and very, very detailed and specific, lots of information. But, but thank you, Lord, for the progression of thought, for the grace in it, the mercy in it, the clarity of your God and we will never be. And yet because you're God, we have a chance to always be in you and you and us. That things can make sense and be done on purpose with a good outcome eventually. May we trust in your will. Protect us from doubting your power and mercy and intent. And then Lord, show us, show us our steps and our path where we're meant to be and go and do. With who? We thank you, Lord, for all this and what was stated earlier that ultimately you sent your son so that we could have this experience. And more than that, that we could see that experience in others. May we always honor and respect those that have gone before us exemplify their relationship with you your relationship with them that might encourage us to have that same kind of a relationship we thank you for this in jesus name and if you're here or you're online and you're watching this and you've never made a decision to have him in you and in all maybe you say that prayer today god i want you in me 
in all from this day forward to the point where it gets proclaimed. People see it. I say it. Let us help you with that decision. Let us know. Amen? May He be in you and in all proclaimed. Amen? Go with Him. <laughs>